Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Volvo announced entering the series. I'm pleased to announce today that Volvo Car Australia, in conjunction with our global motorsport partner, Polestar, has joined forces with Gary Rogers Motorsport from Volvo Polestar Racing. Craig wants the ton. Probably didn't actually look at the records up until uh, we got close to scope. And the Race 3 wreck with its damage. Next thing I know, the back wheel's off the ground and I'm pointing into the vents. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. This week, Volvo announced that it would be entering the V8 Supercar Series with Gary Rogers Motorsport becoming the new factory team. Gary Rogers, speaking to the V8 Insiders on Sunday about the car of the future, said he was not convinced about the car coming into the series, but he's certainly changed his opinion. And I've got to say, I was a critic of it, so I'm probably one of the few really strong conversion uh, examples. And I guess it's going to get stronger in the weeks to come. Well, that I'm converted? Yeah. Oh, well, I think... I'm not sure whether it'll get stronger. I mean, we'll just keep working as best we can as a team. It'll be a return to Australia's top level with manufacturer previously in the Australian Touring Car Championship and the Super Tourers. John Bow drove for Volvo and he spoke about the manufacturer and its return. I'd love, you know, I mean, Volvo back then were, you know, it was factory supported in both Group A and Super Touring. And in Group A, they had to build 5,000 cars to, to qualify. Now they only have to build two or three. So you know, it's, a, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Bow believes that all manufacturers should be looking closely at entering the series. Any car manufacturer that wants to improve their you know, the passion amongst their owners, dealers, potential owners. They don't get involved in motorsport. They've got rocks in their head. The long-time Ford campaigner says he would hate to see the Blue Oval step out. The, the only thing they support in motorsport in Australia is FPR. So it's only a, you know, it's only a small proportion of V8 supercars, but FPR gives them very good value. So I'd be very disappointed, and I'm sure... Anybody that's even got a, a, a splash of Ford blood in their veins would be very disappointed if they pulled out of it. There'll be always Fords. In fact, you know, in uh, from 2016 onwards, Ford will become a very profitable country. You know, Ford Australia will become very profitable. So, so uh, I don't see any reason why they should pull out of it. To the racing in Darwin and Saturday saw Jamie Wincup on top again. Format again coming under question. First time I'm, uh, I've been able to crack one of these 60, 60 races. I've won the 
won the first stint, the nothing race, uh, a couple of times, but haven't been able to um, back it up in the in the second part. So, very very happy. Um, it's it's somewhat artificial. We, you know, we don't know what everyone's uh, doing with their tyres. We're so limited with tyres. But Wing Cup was quick to defend the format when he was pushed by the media. Jamie, uh, you just described the first race as a nothing race that doesn't count. Um, is this too much showbiz? Should you ever have a race in V8 supercars where there's no prize, where nothing actually counts? I think so. It's, um, it's like the first half of the footy, you know. Doesn't, uh, you don't get the four points, but, um, but it's certainly the start of, uh, start of the event. So, um, you know, there's, there's mixed emotion about 60-60. Good on the organisers for trying to mix it up. We don't want to be on the same thing week in, week out. So they're uh, trying something new. I think it's uh, working well. We'll get the ad breaks on telly in the middle, so not during the race. So uh, all in all, I think it's a good thing. FPR's Pepsi Max Car and Bottolo both turned podiums into a disaster when Frosty punted Dave Reynolds and received a drive through penalty for his troubles. That left Shane Van Gisbergen and James Courtney on the podium. Second race was much nicer. People were uh, taking people out for me and I just uh, sailed on through. Uh, all hell broke loose and I was hitting the rear and there was cars spinning in front of me and I got fired, I got hit and fired to the inside so uh, so whoever did that was thankful because otherwise I think I was going to be in the parking lot so I managed to uh, managed to get through, we had a heap of damage to the car so it's, uh, the steering was massively out so we were pretty wounded so uh, just cruised around and, and uh, kept it on and, and didn't fire it off so it's um, yeah, it was good. Tim Slade picked up the Erebus Motorsports best result for the year with the young driver turning in an impressive top 10 result. On Sunday and race 18, Frosty bounced back and was quick to acknowledge his mistake on Saturday. Frosty, congratulations. Uh, what a difference a day makes. Yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty low night last night, to be honest. So um, to, um, to turn it around today and get the win and, you know, do it the way we did was, was fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm just you know, hoping that you know, Dave's off pile in this one. So um, it'd be great to see them boys have a win now in the next race. and cap it off with two FPR wins for the day. It would make it a you know, pretty special one. James Courtney had another podium and he spoke about what the team has found and if he could make the car go better. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the position we're after, but uh, we'll take any podiums we can get. So, uh, you know, it's good work to get second. Uh, we just didn't have the pace on the hard tyres in the start. Had a great start, but then just didn't have the hard tyre pace that we needed with the other guys. So they got in front of us, but the soft tyre pace was really good. So just conserved the tyre through the race and then Saw Craig coming and had to push to get out of there, so we, we, uh, we timed it really quite well. Not too much more we could have done, so uh, no, happy with that. Race 19 saw the most popular driver in the series, in the country in fact, return to the top step on the podium. He talked about the mounting stats as he's now hit 92 race victories. It's been fantastic. I, um, you know, I probably didn't actually look at the records up until... Uh, uh, we got close to scafe, and then, of course, since then it's been a bit of a, um, uh, a hot item, I suppose. It's uh, you know to get the 91 was fantastic. Now to get 92, of course, everyone's talking about uh, we get to the ton. Be nice to uh, hopefully get there somewhere, but uh, um, it's just a great result. Yeah, we, we struggled yesterday. Uh, we, we had a good car. I buggered up the top ten. We, we were sort of fighting all day, but uh, but today worked really well. Like you know, the car pace was there. Again, first practice or first qualifying today, it didn't quite go to plan. We, you know, we qualified 10th, which was a bit, bit um, 
um, disappointing really. You know, it's the first time we had a run on the on the on a new soft. Uh, we got it right for the second part of it, and of course that's what resulted in uh, you know qualifying well. You, you start up the front, you keep out of trouble, and uh, you know you got a clean race. Frosty Winterbottom was charging down the leader, but with a race cut short due to a major crash on lap one, he was robbed. I would love one more lap for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but there's times where I'm glad it finishes early. So um, depends on your car. Who's you playing today? Who, who is on the footy? Is it is it a good game? I know the bombers won. Oh, this is it's a good game. So aerial ping pong. <laughs> Dave Reynolds was able to hold on to a podium following his troubles on Saturday, with two pole positions across the weekend and a podium. He spoke about how the car is now starting to get into his comfort zone. Yeah, just a few, you know, suspension, geometry changes. Um, just because I couldn't break the car how I wanted to, I couldn't drive how I wanted to, and you know, I was always, I wasn't on the maximum attack like I am now. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if it if it converts into other tracks. Obviously, it gives you more confidence when you do get a rocket ship. Yeah, absolutely. I'm feeling great. This is awesome. This is where I should be, though. The race three wreck, which saw cars bouncing all over the circuit, has highlighted safety issues at the Northern Territory track. Dean Fiore almost rolling his Dodo Commodore when David Wall in the Wilson Security Commodore spearing across the track into the incoming pack. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit dusty, to be honest. Um, It was a big hit. Um, Totally unexpected. All the commotion, I thought, as I exited one, was happening on the right-hand side, so... I thought I was well clear of it being hard left, um, but it turns out that, you know, I think it was Moff come across the face of me. He was, like, sideways, so he, he had, you know, nothing, there was nothing he could do. Um, and then, yeah, I just had to try and avoid him, and in the process, I've hit that bloody wall, which is not cool. I think, uh, you know, Hidden Valley need to do something about it, to be honest. An earth embankment laced with, with rubber tyres, um, it's always going to do that when you hit it. It would have been much better off being an Armco or a, or a concrete barrier at which you hit and then you glance along, you know. So, yeah, that's what that's what makes the stop so harsh when you when you hit it in grip. So, yeah. James Moffat and Alex Premer also told the V8 Insiders about their damage. Oh, no, I'm fine. Um, just feel bad for my boys, everybody at... Um, Norton 360 Racing and Nissan Motorsport because uh, we've got one torn up Nissan Ultima which is never good and relatively short turnaround with the travel times um, not only back to Melbourne but then back up to Townsville so short turnaround time for the team to uh, get the car repaired but um, I, uh, I know they'll do a good job of that I don't know if someone pushed me on the back or on the side but it was really misunderstanding of everything I mean even my engineer went to the radio say Alex break oh, there is a big crash but yeah it was too late and yeah I was there so and yeah that's that's shame I mean like I wanted to finish the race and especially when this, this kind of crash in the first lap yeah we should avoid all these things and maybe yeah that that's 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 bad and even the car is very badly damaged so yeah just to keep work on that and and to get fixed for the next round. For Brad Jones Racing, Brad had all three cars involved in the wreck. Well, you're always going to have tough weekends. You know, I still felt that we had a reasonable car pace, but we had a couple of, you know, a couple of things not play in our favour. You know, we missed a, a, one of the qualifying laps with Fabian, which dropped him to 11th yesterday. You know, the guys didn't get very good starts, got caught up in that accident damaged Fabian's car a lot more under the skin than, than it looked and then wouldn't start, you know, so not much else could go wrong, really. David's car looks like a pretzel. 
Um, and Bridie's car had left hand down for the whole of the last race. But that being said, yesterday um, we had pretty fast cars. You know, when when um, when they're running around in race trim, we uh, we were pretty speedy. So a couple of you know marginal calls with strategies. You know, pit stops where the wheels wouldn't come off the car. Basic stuff that we need to fix. And and um, you know, we we did, had done a couple of things different this weekend and let our guard down. And so. We'll go home and regroup, and I'm um, I'm pretty comfortable. We'll get to Townsville, and we'll uh, we'll be competitive. On this week's roundtable, Gordon Lomas and Richard Crail will look back at the weekend and forward to what Volvo's entry might bring. That's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C. Dot com dot au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders after what was a horrendously busy weekend for my two guests who also had to back it up with a lot of work on Monday. Gordon Lomas, good evening, Gordo. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, as is, I'm sure, Richard Kral. Yeah, g'day, Craig. G'day, Gordo. Uh, I'm trying to stay warm after a very sunny, lovely weekend in the top end. Yes, it was uh, absolutely beautiful up there. I do approve of shorts in the middle of June. What do we need to talk about first? Is Volvo entering bigger than the issues that were raised with a, a multi-21 situation leading to drivers banging themselves off the track? We saw a huge wreck, which is called in the question of the circuit, Gordo. You couldn't ask for too much more and too many bigger stories coming out of this weekend. No, well, I mean, firstly, uh, to, to, uh, to Darwin, um, the, uh, the 60-60 sprint format... Um, you know, I'm just I'm I'm not really sold on the on the idea. I don't know about Richard's uh, uh, opinion on this, but um, you know, the rolling start, great spectacle, but the 60-60 format with the break in between, gee, you know, I, I think they're trying to make it into something that that it really isn't. I think they're actually trying too hard to make it a, a football style or a 2020 cricket style uh, piece of entertainment. Richard. I agree with that. I, I, I think that's a good way to explain it. I don't think motor racing needs a 2020 race style, cricket style of thing. I think the package that we've got now is pretty good. What I wouldn't mind is a bit of inventiveness in other areas. So, as Gordo mentioned, the rolling start is very, very cool. And when you're at the track especially, it's an awesome thing. It sounds brilliant. It looks great. Uh, and it's something different. So why not introduce that into that Saturday race um, as the start. I think it just feels a bit contrived, doesn't it? And especially the first half, just sort of they're racing for nothing. And 
if you get turned around or punted off or whatever it might be, well then you're sort of turning around and starting them all again anyway. So what's the point? It just seems a little bit contrived. I don't mind them trying different things and look, they might well change it after this year. So I guess we can just sit and wait and see what happens. Aspects of it I like, but uh, I'd probably be up for just a short, sharp sprint race or even a couple of short sprint races on Saturday before I, uh, the, the longer distance stuff on Sunday. Good. The, the other thing that I, I failed to mention is, and I, and I hate to be too pedantic about this, is that whoever uh, is first across the line in the first part of um, that, uh, that event, shall we say, ta- actually takes the chequered flag. So does that not mean that that driver has actually won something? It, you know, that, after all, is what a chequered flag means. So, it, you know, in its purity, that's, that's actually wrong. Uh, giving the chequered flag to someone when the race isn't actually over. Yep, I am a. Yeah, and I'm a big one at that America, too. Craig, as you well know, um, there are often incidences where they need competition cautions for safety or sporting reasons. So they throw a yellow flag, and that neutralises the race and doesn't dictate a result. I agree that chequered flag to me usually suggests a result, the end of a race. Mm. Here's what I'd here's what I'd like to see. I'll bounce it off you guys at the. At the end of whatever's considered half the race, 60 kilometres, and when the last car on the lead lap crosses the line, the yellow flag is then displayed. Channel 7 go to an ad. Whilst they're at the ad, the cars then are formed up behind the safety car. On the second lap of the safety car, cars who wish may enter the pit lane. That's when they're back from the ad. That takes about four minutes on most circuits. After the pits, after the pit stops are completed live on seven, we have another ad break, which would see about two minutes of forming up, getting ready for a double file restart. After they come back from the ad, they're just in time to see the drop of the green. The ten minutes in the centre and the chequered flag, in my mind, are wrong. And we have seen time and time again, as uh, Jamie Winkup pointed out, they've won the first half and got nothing for it, only to find that whatever happened in the break didn't work to their liking and they have uh, come out and not actually taken the marbles. And, of course, in this last one, we saw Dave Reynolds absolutely dominating at the front of the field and, uh, of course, end in tears for him at the hands, unfortunately, Gordo of his teammate. Yeah, well, I mean, that was uh, that was one of the more poignant moments of the weekend, wasn't it? Uh, just an absolute no-no in in uh, any form of motor racing, uh, and particularly a factory team that, you know, uh, up until up until that point had only won one race this season with Will Davison winning uh, one of the heats in Pukekohe. But uh, gee, you know, I mean, heat of heat of the moment, sure, but your teammate, gosh, you know, it, it's just. There is no excuses, and uh, you know, harsh words were said behind closed doors in the transporter of that team on Saturday night. Um, but you know, it's uh, the, the team sort of—I I don't know what it is about FPR, but they just find ways of getting themselves into trouble time and time again. Uh, what about my idea? I um, yeah. Look, Craig, it, it's a good concept, and I, and I like especially the way you've tried to work that into a TV window as well so we can get less ad breaks during the racing. But, again, it just sort of 
is it too contrived? Is it just finding ways to to do something different? I'd, I'd be in favour of going, well, right, we're going to do our 220k races on Sunday. Saturday, we're going to do three eight-lap sprint races or or whatever it might be, two races, whatever. Do one with a rolling start. Do all of them with a rolling start. Do them all within an hour. Do all, them all within a space of an afternoon. I don't know, but I, I just sort of... The, the whole idea of stopping a race halfway through, for me, unless it's for a legitimate safety car, there just doesn't seem to be much point in that. There doesn't seem to be anything that can... That there's a massive reason for guys to go out and risk their cars and their driving for the first half of a race and then have it neutralised. Um, I'd, I'd be in favour of going and seeing some short, sharp sprint races, action-packed stuff, make sure there's a good points waiting on the line to win the thing so drivers have got a an encouragement to go out and pass to the lead if they need to um, and have that as a Saturday afternoon entertainment and then uh, rock back on Sunday and you have your longer distance races with your tyre strategies and in some cases fuel as well. Guys, you, you, I guess the critical thing to remember, of course, is that we've got this 60-60 format because the cars or some of the cars this year haven't got the fuel economy to go 120 without a fuel stop. And God, that's one critical thing that we have to remember that we do have this uh, point in time where there is a fuel window that some of these cars can only just get. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's a number of factors that uh, that dictate um, some of these, you know, some of these situations, and fuel's one of them. But uh, I, I look, I agree with Richard. I think, you know, get back to basics, guys. You know, you don't have to be that convoluted. Um, it's it's not that hard to spice up entertainment, um, you know, e- even in this era of, of V8 supercars. Um, so the, the solution, I think, is, is relatively easy um, and uh, without sort of compromising the spectacle of the whole show for the punters. Mm. Well, I'm big, guys, I'm, I'm a big fan of... British touring cars, and it's not as strong as it used to be, but it's a pretty competitive series. And they have three sprint races, and they're within about five and a half hours from about 11 o'clock through to about 4.30 on the Sunday of a race meeting to fit into a live TV window on ITV. Um, and at Alton Park at the weekend, they had 30,000 people there on the Sunday. So it's a, it's a format that works. It works for TV. You could make it even closer here, but, um, yeah, just something to consider. Mm. Well, of course, on Sunday when we saw the two longer races of the Triple Crown, so I guess winning qualifying or any of the three qualifyings that we saw throughout the Saturday, um, I am being facetious there, doesn't count as part of the Triple Crown now. We're back to three races. But uh, Frosty, well, he made amends in some way for his mistake by winning that first race. And, uh, of course, Gordo, that was... Uh, a bittersweet one for the team. Yeah, it was, um, but gee, didn't they need it? You know, and uh, and and congratulations to Frosty. I mean, uh, you know, you, you you couldn't be, you couldn't get any any worse result than the previous day, and and to climb off the canvas like he did, um, and and just with an absolute, you know, an absolute clinic. Um, he, I don't think he put a put a wheel wrong the whole race. It was just, it was great to see, and you know, no matter who you support. I mean that was really a well-deserved victory. Um, can they, you know, can they sort of string a couple of races together? Well, still they probably can't because, you know, we all saw what happened in the in the final heat uh, with, um, you know, with Lowndes winning. So, yeah, look, 
you know, I, I just thought it was an exemplary, exemplary performance, you know, in the light of, of what happened the previous day. Um, so, you know, what more can you say? Mm. From zero it's to hero. Good, it's a good story, isn't it, Gordo? And, and you with your, your journey had on. I mean, what a great story for the sport to have. You know, hero to the villain in less than 24 hours. What a, a great turnaround. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's... It's kind of like um, you know getting bowled out for sixty in your first innings and then coming out in the second innings and smashing five hundred. You know it's exactly the same thing. Mm. Well, we need to take a break, but we've still got one more race to talk about. And if you thought there was some action in the first two, we definitely have some talking in the next one. And hope you'll stay with us on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Gordon Lomas joining us along with Richard Crowell and race three. Craig Lowndes takes the win. In fact, as you heard in the news at the beginning of the show, Lowndes now set him sights on a goal. He wants to crack the ton for race victories. Now he's moved on from Scaifes and he's now at 92 wins. It's a, a, a fantastic record. He's been a much-loved champion. And, Richard, uh, the ton is not out of his reach whilst he's driving so well and in the team that is the class of the field. Yeah, correct, Craig. Um, I, I'd love nothing more than to see him do it this year. I, I think the sport is too competitive for him to win another seven races this year, although you never know, and certainly there's a couple of big ones in September, October that he's quite fond of making his own. Um, look, Craig Lowndes, I think we've talked about this on the show before, he's the only proper household name our sport's got at the moment. So until some other personalities evolve and come through... Um, Lowndes remains the biggest name in the sport and I maintain that whenever Craig Lowndes is winning at the front in V8 supercars, the sport is better for it because he's the one that draws the most publicity and he's the biggest name so naturally people are drawn to a report when they hear Craig Lowndes has won but he's just such an engaging character, he's good fun and he's still one of the best drivers going around and and watching him drive is, is a joy to watch so yeah, look, good when Lowndes wins. Uh, I'd personally love to see him crack the championship because I think that would be just an unbelievable story. But we all know that he'd happily trade that if it meant another one uh, of those big 1,000k races we all go to in October. So, good race, though. Uh, great finish, wasn't it, with Mark Winterbottom chasing him down and trading paint towards the end. That's what we want to see, a really close finish, too. But I suppose, guys, we need to talk about what happened at the start and brought out that red flag at the very beginning. Rob Gordo, your thoughts on Craig, the ton, and that win? Oh, look, I can't. I mean, Craig, I mean, Craig, uh, Richard said it all, you know. Uh, I can't really add to that. The only thing I will, ma- the only point I will make is that the 100, um, it's a black caviar. It's a certainty. It'll just happen. Um, it yeah. probably won't happen this year, as you mentioned, but it'll happen. I think, um, the f- oh, sorry, I think, you, Gordo, you do need to uh, colour the victory in the light of 
V8 supercars are still shortchanging their fans at the racetrack to cut races short because of a time. And if that race went full distance, Frosty would have had two wins across the weekend. Yeah, look, you know, regardless of whether the result was going to change or not, I think you've got to look at it, um, you know, from a from a helicopter's point of view, and you know, that's from the fans' point of view. They, they've definitely got shortchanged. There's no two ways about it. And 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 the reasons are, you know, the reasons are as we all know, it's it, it's 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 got to fit in the television schedule. So, but it's wrong. It's so wrong. I mean that that race should have gone the distance. You know, we're not talking a thousand kilometres here. You know, mm. and and Richard, now with multi channels, you were involved in a very very interesting situation earlier this year with your work on Channel Ten, where the network stayed with the event until it was over. Yeah, and and look, multi channeling just changes the game in terms of the way sports can be covered and we know that and that's why now this V8 TV deal we've got some states are on seven mates the New South Wales on seven two and on occasion chops and changes around but it's frustrating what probably frustrates me more than the fact that the race got cut short is the fact that it just didn't need to because you and I were talking about this in the media room at the weekend Craig that there was an hour of dead time before that race so nothing happening, no support categories running, nothing at all. The supports had finished. Um, there was some on-track entertainment, the burnout cars drifting, um, that thing doing his crazy stuff as always. So why wouldn't you bring that first race a bit earlier in the day, knowing that you can do it live because you've got this long TV window and you're showing qualifying and all the good TV stuff that V8 Supercar TV pumps out. Move the first race in the day back earlier and put the second race a bit earlier on in the program so you've actually got time to extend it out and fit it in that TV window if you have to. Uh, it just struck me as being mad that there were 20,000 people sitting there on Sunday twiddling their fingers for an hour when they could have had a V8 race. Whack a support category on after it that's not going to get TV or it's going to get post-produced television and that's like the fans have still got something to watch while they're filing out of the racetrack and some will stay, hopefully cut down on the traffic a bit. TV can run late with the V8 supercars if they need to. Um, it just struck me as being bad that there was this big gap of nothing happening when could have a V8 supercar race on. Gordo, what's your thoughts on Richard's idea? Well, I mean, Richard, again, you know, I mean, pointing out uh, that there was an hour of inactivity just goes to show you could have had three red flags and still finish the, the race at full distance. So, mm. you know, I mean, it... it it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't need any more analysis. Um, there you get, there's your answer. All right. But, uh, so it was. It was a total waste. It should have. It should not have been cut short. Now let's talk about why it was cut short. Because the big question that uh, certainly Dean Fiore and David Wall put on the table, and uh, and I know a couple of other divisions over the course of the weekend have have raised the same question: the tyre wall is not suitable anymore for a, a first level track and uh we we heard from dean fiore we heard from david wall in the news about just how dangerous that was and how it causes more damage gordo yeah well dean uh, i i um you know we both approached dean uh in the in the garage after the race and uh he he, he you know rightly pointed out the problems of the earth filled tire barrier um, and you know I've seen it um, at other tracks as well, and as many people have. And there was another case in New Zealand late last year where John McIntyre 
um, broke his uh, collarbone because of a, an earthfield tyre barrier at, at Raupuna. Um, and, you know, he raises some good points. Um, why it's there, God knows, because that sort of thing is is agricultural at best. It's archaic technology. It's It, it can only produce a bad result. So... You know, calling for, for safety measures, you know, if people think that's a knee-jerk reaction, think again. It, 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 it is a justifiable call. Mm. Uh, Richard? Yeah, it's 1990s track safety in a 2010 era, isn't it? So, yeah, not even 1990s, it's the 1970s. But, um, yeah, I agree. The, the, the positives we can take out of this is, one, earlier this year, Northern Territory Government announced there's $10 million worth of funding going into the circuit to fix that kind of problem. They're going to do a lot of work on uh, the track, they're going to resurface it, and they're going to look at some safety options. So I dare say now a lot of that attention, doubly so, will go on to that section of racetrack. Um, and look, it's a sign of the times, and the, the safety moves very, very quickly. Unfortunately, that's a part of the racetrack where it hasn't moved that fast. But you need to even look at circuits like Phillip Island, only three years ago did they replace the tyre bundles on the start-finish straight on, on Gardner Strait at Phillip Island with a concrete wall. So Hidden Valley's not the only one. Um, unlucky at the weekend that there was such an impact there that probably brought it into the spotlight a little bit more. But the best thing is that that event being government-funded, the, attra- the track being funded by the government, is that things will happen and that there is a... which you can't often say with government's mind, um, and that improvements will be made to make sure it works because it's in their own best interest to make that track as good as they possibly can. So I think it'll be dealt with. Not ideal that it's happened, a lot of beat-up cars because of it, but on the flip side, I'm pretty certain that it will be dealt with by the time we go back there next year. Mm. And, of course, Gordo, when you look at the damage on the cars, we've got a Nissan going onto the jig down there at Nissan Motorsport. We'll have uh, a car at Gary Rogers having to go um, onto the jig, probably at Walkinshaw. You've got Brad Jones having to put the wall car on their jig to, to fix it. It's quite likely that uh, you might have to take the um, the Dodo car up back up to Queensland to put it on the jig up at Triple Eight to get that one completed before they go to Townsville. Yeah, I, I don't know what the current situation is with the Dodo car, but uh, there's there's two you know there's two there's two possibilities, which which is a good thing. It can it can either go to Triple Eight in Brisbane or or go straight back down to Melbourne, and uh, as they did before, I think it was New Zealand that it, it went to Kelly's mm. to be straightened out. Um, so there's you know there's good things there, but um, certainly the resultant damage um, from this accident uh, was huge. Um, you know, some some people were lucky and escaped with just bolt-on stuff, but there's a lot of structural damage in between all that as well. So, you know, uh, you, I mean, it's not totally to blame for for that, um, you know, part of the track where Fiore went in, but, uh, you know, it certainly can happen, can happen at any track. But um, unfortunately, it, it was just a lot of cars were dragged into this accident and, uh, and the damage bill is quite severe. Mm. On the upside, uh, Car of the Future, again, ticks a box, doesn't it, for being pretty crashworthy. We've had some big crashes this year and guys have got out and walked away without too much of a problem. So just 
validates how um, how much this sport's evolved and how safe these racing cars are now. Mm. It certainly was a horrendous crash. We need to take a break. We're back to talk Volvo right after this. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to uh, the White Flag Lab, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, Richard Kral and Gordon Lomas, still with me, because we need to talk about Volvo. And Gordon, you being Brisbane-based, you were the one out of the three of us that were able to get to the announcement that Polestar is going to be running a team, or the car will be run by Gary Rogers Motorsport. And you, you had a couple of funny stories across the weekend trying to get a hold of Christian Dahl from Polestar. Yes, um... We certainly did. Uh, I, I tried to approach Christian on uh, on Saturday, um, and uh, he he backpedalled at a million miles an hour once he uh, found out where I was from and who I was. So, and understandably, they had their announcement on Monday. So, uh, which which happened, and uh, the flight back to Brisbane on the wee hours of, of Sunday morning or Monday morning, uh, there was a lot of people uh, headed to the to that announcement. And uh, look, you know that that stands as one of the big moments in Australian motorsport, uh, Volvo's re-entry into into um, into big-time competition. Uh, you know, after fielding in in relatively recent times um, the uh, the wagon and the um, and the S40 sedan, uh, which actually won the Bathurst 1000 in the Super Touring era in the 90s. But uh, look, this was a mega mega announcement, and particularly for Gary Rogers. He's been in the sport for 50 years. He's never, ever had a factory, um, any hint of a factory involvement until this came along. Mm. And, uh, and and he's managed to pull off the deal of the century, it, might, it, it, it could be said. Mm. Uh, Richard? Oh, yeah, it's outstanding. A couple of things I really like about it. One, like, it's a brand that resonates with racing fans in Australia, the proper hardcore racing fans. They know Volvo's been in the sport. They know it's been in Australian touring car racing with Robbie Francovic, who won the 86 title. And, of course, the great Jim Richards and Peter Brock drove Volvos and Super Touring, amongst all the others. I've got a Volvo Super Touring poster of Tony Scott on two wheels in the wagon in my office. And um, that was there long before all these rumours started flying around. But, you know, it's just tremendous news, and it it sort of validates where V8s have done in um, what they've done in, in producing Car of the Future and opening up the marketplace to new brands. Um, it's exciting for that. Very exciting for Gary. As Gordo mentioned, I don't need to elaborate on that. He said that very, very well. But it's exciting for Alex Pramat, which is great, but Scott McLaughlin as well. What a, what a cool story for this young kid who's taken the sport by storm, development series title last year, um, doing good things in NZ when he's running in the V8 Super Tourers. And um, he's won a race this year already in V8 Supercars and now, um, and Gary says the two drivers will stick around if they continue to perform. No reason to think that Scott won't. Um, 
you know, he, ran, he lands himself in a factory back seat in just his second year of full-time V8 racing. So that's outstanding stuff for one of our stars of the sport, I think, for the next 10 or 15 years if he wants to be. So, so many good stories all around and, um, yeah, real positive day for the sport for sure. I wouldn't begrudge uh, Scotty McLaughlin a factory seat, but the mail I'm getting is that he might be staying with Holden Gorda. Yeah, look, I, um, I, I did tackle Gary um, at the launch on Monday. Um, he was the only representative from, from GRM at the, at the Volvo Polestar announcement. Um, I did tackle him about his drivers, and he said they're both locked in for next year. Um, but there is talk of, of others, and possibly a Swedish driver. The only, uh, the only driver, race driver, that was at that launch was um, Robert Dahlgren, who is the Swedish, uh, the Volvo or Polestar Swedish touring car factory driver, and um, and he um, towed the political line and and uh, you know would not say that V8s are on his radar. Just saying that anything to do with him um, is up to Volvo. So you know, look, it, it's open to debate, but but anything other than that at this, at this stage is is just that. Richard, uh, you of course. Uh have got your ear to the ground and you know what a lot of guys are doing, but we're really hearing speculation about um, where some of the Holden drivers might end up. And it's becoming very interesting because there's a lot of talking going on, but in this case, not a lot of it's slipping out to media. Yeah, I would know more about all that than I would, but I, I just think that if you're Volvo and you're making a splash in the sport and and this is targeted at the Australian and, to a lesser extent, New Zealand market for launching the Polestar brand here and, and trying to raise brand awareness. Yeah, I reckon you'd be mad if you didn't, and if you needed to, throw some cash at a young guy like Scott McLaughlin who, you know, we all sit around in the media centre and talk about who's going to be the next big name of the sport. I think it's pretty apparent that he could very well be one of them. Um, he's got the drive and the personality and the talent to, to back it all up. Um, well, you'd, you'd want to keep him in the car. Surely you'd want to keep him in the car. Well, I've um, seen a lot of, of Doug and the, um, the Swedish stuff he's done and, and the super touring stuff he's raced over the years. is very good. So he'd fit in, I'm sure. But um, you've got to keep Scott McLaughlin in that car, I reckon. It'd be a, a big thing for what they want to get out of it, which is building a brand. Mm. Gordo, do, um, do you think the moves for Holden to shore up their drivers might see uh, at least Scott McLaughlin making a change? Oh, look, I... Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I know there's been, there's been plenty of talk and, and discussion and of possible movements behind the scenes, but, um, but let's not detract from, you know, the, the, the point of this topic is... Volvo's announcement that they're pouring millions into a V8 supercar program. It's a, it's a huge, huge moment for Australian motorsport and, uh, and particularly for Gary Rogers. Um, and also, it, it should have a flow-on effect. You know, we said this with Nissan, but even more so with Volvo, it should have a flow-on effect for other manufacturers. And Gary Rogers did, you know, tell, tell me at the launch that... Uh, when all these negotiations first started back in September last year, that he'd, he'd approached just about everyone. So it wasn't... Chrysler was definitely on the radar, but, you know, and Volvo turned out to be, you know, the, 
the manufacturer that went with Gary, but uh, he, it wasn't just confined to those two manufacturers. There's a lot of other manufacturers sort of feeling the way. Mm. And as uh, people heard on the news, John Bow is now saying with Car of the Future, he said it's absolutely crazy that a manufacturer wouldn't want to get involved in the top level of motorsport. And he likened this movement back in. He said, well, when I raced for Volvo, they had to sell 5,000 cars. They had to build and sell 5,000 cars. Now they only have to build two to four. Richard, yeah. it's a much easier way to get involved. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it's validated by, by Nissan and by uh, Volvo now jumping on board as full manufacturer teams. So... That's great. That's good. I said the fly one's going to be good, but I think people underestimate the benefit to the sport overall, and not just the sport, but the V8 supercar brand in particular. So HQ there in in Queensland, this is the best thing possible because all of a sudden, instead of just them marketing their investment in the sport and and Holden spending some advertising money, Ford aren't doing any. Um, now you've got Nissan jumping in and putting billboards in airports with the big uh, Nissan Altima V8 supercar on it, but. Volvo as well will spend their advertising money in markets outside of motor racing to promote their involvement in it. And that's the kind of flow-on stuff that really helps promote the sport. And that's going to be huge for V8 supercar racing and motorsport in general in, in raising awareness. So it will hopefully bring new eyeballs to the sport. Mm. Guys, always a pleasure to catch up with you. <laughs> we could talk for another hour on everything that happened over the weekend and of course Volvo's reintroduction to top level Australian motorsport but uh, time is beating us Gordon, great to catch up with you once again. Always a pleasure and also to Crayley good to see you too and of course we've got your Formula 3 boys coming up very soon on Inside Motorsport which everyone should keep an ear out for. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.